You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. I think that there's been times in my life where I've asked for too much permission and looked for too much validation. And at a certain point, you have to stop looking for other people to sign off on your ideas and just realize that you might be one of the only people that see what you see and just go. Growing wealth while supporting your family isn't easy, but with a well-crafted plan, you can take on anything. Visit planefe.com slash hermoney to schedule a free appointment with an advisor today because juggling finances can be overwhelming, but it's possible to find a better balance. Hey everyone, I'm Jean Chatsky. Thanks so much for joining us today on Her Money. So many of us define ourselves by our jobs. When you're meeting someone new, whether that's making a friend or joining a club or going on a date, one of the first questions you're gonna hear, especially in America, is what do you do? And yes, it's totally normal, but here's the thing. We are all so much more than just our jobs and it is important to remember that, especially if you are changing careers, starting a side hustle, retiring. We all have to create an identity for ourselves that is bigger than a job title. And there is nobody who does that better than my guest today, Brandon Copeland. He is a 10-year NFL veteran, but so much more than that title. He is an entrepreneur, an investor, a real estate developer, a philanthropist, and a college professor. After graduating from the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business, go Quakers, Brandon came back a few years later to teach a personal finance class called Life 101, which is now available as an online course for anyone to take. He is also a member of CNBC's Financial Wellness Council, a contributing editor for Kiplinger's Wow. Brandon, I'm really excited to have you here today. I can't wait to talk about all of this. But let me just start with with all of your hyphenates, because a lot of times pro athletes are put in this box of being famous for their sport and not much else. How'd you get into all these businesses? Yeah, well, first and foremost, Gene, thank you for having me on Her Money. You know, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk shop and excited to meet you, you know, first and foremost. So thank you again for, for allowing me on your platform. In terms of the hyphenations, you know, I think that, you know, growing up, I, I looked at football as a means to an end. And so actually, you know, to start this off with a nice long winded story, really in sixth grade, you know, I remember being at my grandmother's house and seeing uh, e true Hollywood story on this guy named Eric Bishop and how Eric Bishop, guy from Texas, quarterback of his high school football team. And ultimately, Eric Bishop's real dream was to become a singer. He loved singing. He, that was his passion. But he was really good at comedy. And so he saw that at the time in Texas, more women were getting stand up comedy opportunities at the local shops than men at the time. And he decided to change his name to a gender neutral name. The name that he chose was Jamie Foxx. And so most of us have heard of Jamie Foxx. Not too many of us have heard of Eric Bishop. But as a sixth grade kid watching this E! True Hollywood series, I was always extremely inspired by that. The fact that somebody who was super passionate about something decided to dive that deep 
into something else that he was talented at in order to eventually reach his passion. And so Jamie Foxx for years did comedy, got his own show, started singing in his own show, acting, you know, he's won a Grammy, Oscar, all of those things. But I was always inspired by that story. And so not that I'm Jamie Foxx, right, but more of I'm using something that I'm gifted at and blessed at to unlock these other dreams and aspirations that I do have in my life. And so football for me is that talent. That's my comedy. And now it's allowed me to open up doors in other aspects that I want to see come to fruition. Which were the doors that were the big dreams, right? If football was not the dream, was it business that you were always interested in? Was it teaching? Where was the thing that you were going after? Yeah, for me, business was the thing that I can remember, you know, growing up and wanting to, I guess, for lack of a better term, take ownership in or or become good at. And the reason being specifically was growing up, I always wanted to show, I didn't know what business or or anything like that. I, honestly, I grew up in a place where I was like, I just wanted to make money and be financially free, not have to worry about the bills at the grocery checkout line or, or whenever my children wanted a candy bar, not have to really think about the budget or if they want a full meal instead of the dollar menu, not have to think about it, right? And so for me, the only thing I knew was like, okay, well, I want to either be a doctor or I want to be a businessman. Right. And the reason why I wanted to be a doctor was because I like to show house. But so oh, me too. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I cannot be like house, but not be as much of a, a butthole to people, you know. Yep. Um, but, you know, for me, I really wanted to show that, hey, we can have fun and I can create my own culture within a company that does well and has success. And we don't have to necessarily always wear suits. We don't have to always be extremely proper. Right. Like we can have fun. We can go out and be extremely good at what we do and, and we can create something of value. And for me, in turn, the real dream for me with money is, you know, I know some people are like, oh, you're chasing money. And, hey, I admit I'm chasing money. But the reason being is because I want to help people. Right. Like when you see the different things that my wife and I do through our foundation and just in general beyond our foundation, like I genuinely grew up in high school. I saw other kids who were getting scholarships paid by other people. And I was like wow, that is pretty cool because now they're getting this education and they're able to take it and do whatever they want with it, right? Like you're teaching them how to fish, so to speak. And so they don't necessarily need to hold your hand for the rest of their lives, right? They can take ownership of their life because you provide an education for them. And so for me, money has always just been a tool, but in order for me to do some of the things that I want to do in this world, I, I need money to bring those things to life and to not also always have to ask other people to take an interest in my interests and fund them with a check. That's how we describe money at Her Money, that it's a tool, right? Life is the topic. Life is what we're after. And we all have different definitions of what that is. Money is the tool that we should be using to make it happen. So I'm with you. I think going after money is an admirable goal. It opens up a lot of different doors, whether you want to start businesses, whether you want to go back to school, whether you want to give back in a big way. I know you attended Wharton, you worked at a number of different investment management firms, and you played football kind of all at the same time. How did you do that? I mean, in this era where many people have a side hustle, you know, you did many things, it seems, full time. Yeah. Yeah. So 
<laughs> thinking about it, I've always just kind of maxed out my time in the sense of, I was actually watching a video this morning and, and it's funny, my high school coach, I have to thank him for this, Coach Biff Poggi. He's helped a lot of people in his career and in his life. And one of the things he always impressed upon us was like, listen, we come out here, you got to work out for us to be successful this season, right? We were typically a nationally ranked high school football program. So the expectations were high, but he was like, look, the workout is only two hours long. All right. So you're sleeping for hopefully about eight hours a day. So that's 10 hours right there. Right. You got some studies, things like that. But like, what are you doing with those other hours of the day? Right. And it was always just thinking about that. Right. And so for me, I choose to use those other hours to try to get more self-development in that I can eventually turn into something that's profitable for me. So you know, coming into the NFL rookie year 2013, I was day trading while others were playing video games, right? So when I would leave the building, some guys would go home and start playing Call of Duty and all those things, which is cool, <laughs> right? Maybe I might play a Madden game or there every once in a while. But for me, I was interested in how do I take this money from the NFL to start up capital in my eyes and how do I go flip it? How do I go create returns on it? And so for me, it was like, how do I in the off season, instead of going home and just sitting around and twiddling my thumbs, it was like, hey, can I take an internship, you know, with Weiss Multi-Strategy Advisors? Can I learn how you guys leverage risk, leverage your portfolio? Because I understood that with the NFL salary, I'm getting an opportunity financially that I can potentially take my own money and work it for the rest of my life to be able to live off of it for the rest of my life. A lot of people don't do that. I mean, we see a lot of news stories, right, about athletes signing these multi-million dollar contracts and spending extravagantly. I was looking into it and I found a study by the National Bureau of Economic Research. I'm sure you've saw it, but 16% of NFL players declare bankruptcy within 12 years of retirement. And these players are retiring in their 20s and, and in their 30s. First of all, why do you think that happens? What do you think it is about these big sums of money that causes people, whether it's an NFL salary or a lottery win, that causes people to make bad decisions? And second, how did you get from there to, okay, I'm going to teach everybody how to do it right? <laughs> yeah. So I guess think first, you know, it's kind of in line with your second question. First, we've never been taught this stuff, right? So for most of us, the reason why we can call out the stats of NFL players or athletes or lottery winners is because we're headline material or our financial earnings are made public at some point. So when people see you and you're not living the life they expect, it's easy for them to make stats and stuff around it. So for me, I think it first starts with education, right? You don't know what you don't know. And when you come into this type of money and it's really an experiment because it's your first time dealing with these things, right? In the summers at Alabama, you're working out for the team. You don't have a job, right? Uh, the summers at Georgia, summers at Penn, I took an internship, right? So I, I took internships the summers of my high school football summers, right? But I can remember sitting next to somebody my rookie year and we got our first check during the spring and he literally started crying. And, you know, I'm like, what's going on? He was like, this is my first check ever. Right. And so that's his first introduction to taxes as his first introduction to FICA <laughs> and all of these different things. Right. But now you're doing it at a scale that is just higher than the average person. But now imagine it's not just your first check. Now it's your first time trying to manage 
this money. Everything we do for the first time goes wrong, right? Like the first time you try to cook anything, unless you got the recipe right there, it's going to go bad, right? Like the first time you try to drive, it's going to go bad. And so we do that with our money. But for us as athletes, it's not starting out with a hundred bucks. It's starting out with rookie minimum, which might be, I think, 750 grand this year. Right. And so that's the tragic thing. I think the first thing is the education. Right. The second thing that a lot of people don't necessarily account for as well as the pressure. And I know that some people can never understand that pressure. Right. But the pressure of making it in your community. Right. There was a a great podcast. I am athlete podcast where, you know, one of the people who was quoted on a former NFL player is saying, like, you know, most families Wealth is passed down to generations, right? But in our community, for the most part, when you make it to the NFL, you got to start passing it up. Like you got to start taking care of your parents and then you got to take care of your aunts and uncles and then you got to take care of yourself and then your children. And at a certain point, like there's only so much money to go around. And so I think that that pressure gets to so many athletes as well, too, because, you know, how many CEOs are expected to go back to their community and throw football camps or or do Thanksgiving giveaways and things like that. So it's not just taking, you know, I know the media sometimes is like, oh, it's just, you know, taking out your family, you're going to clubs and your private planes. Nah, sometimes it's like, it's a lot of other pressure as well too. That budget gets chipped away at. And then to answer your second part of your question, for me teaching, you know, I never grew up wanting to teach, to be quite honest. It's something that I felt like, I created the idea, the entrepreneur in me created the idea for the course and had a vision of how we potentially scaled the course one day. Because for me, I don't want it to just stay at Penn. I want it to be in a high school in Baltimore where I'm from. I want it to be in a high school in Mississippi where my grandparents are from. I want it to even the playing field. And so to create this and to give it to someone else to teach, you sat in some of those Penn classrooms, some amazing, some professors, they're just getting the check. For me, it was the delivery is everything because I am creating some people's first relationship with their money and their personal finance. And so that was important to me. What was interesting to me is you didn't call the class personal finance 101. You didn't call it money 101. You call it life 101. Why'd you call it life 101? Yeah, it's funny because I thought when I originally named it that, I thought it would be like one of the most simple names for everyone to understand and get because a lot of people are like, what are you talking about in there? I'm like, listen, all the money decisions you make in life, we talk about them. So whether it's credit or it's insurance or it's buying an appliance for your house or budget taxes, right? Wills and estates, it's life. The major money life decisions we want to talk about them from a foundational level. And so Life 101 is just that talking about those decisions, starting to get people introduced to some of the major themes within each of these different topics. We have a 16-week course at Penn. And so we cover literally maybe 15 different topics and keeping one class for a final exam. And we also make our students, well, not make, well, yeah, we make our students make. because that's the exam. <laughs> they have to teach it to high school students, right? And so that's the thing is, I do not like to waste my time. And so that's one of the first things that I tell the students when I come in there. Like, I, I want to make sure that we're giving value to you all because I'm not here for show. I don't we're not doing this for TV or anything like that. Right. Like I want to give you things that you will actually be able to use in your life at some point in your life, whether it's buying a house, buying a car, all these things that you will actually be able to look back at this class and either say, hey, I know where to go now 
15 years later to start to research these things, or I know the questions to ask so that I don't end up tricked out of money. You know, for example, I'm buying a new truck over 6,000 pounds, right? I'm buying a new truck and, you know, the bank calls and they go through the whole application and they, you know, they quickly go over the interest rate. And I'm like, whoa, 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 that's not the interest rate that we locked in 14 days ago when we applied for that. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Cole. Yeah, you're right about that, right? I've gone through closing disclosures doing real estate and I've literally stopped the closing process of homes where one home in, in Baltimore, one property we were trying to buy near Johns Hopkins, they tried to assign an extra $7,300 in fees to me. If you don't know your first time, you just sign on the dotted line. I've caught like $1,000.48 on other properties. So again, if you don't know what you're looking at, when I bought my first home, it was just signed on the dotted line because everyone told me, hey, this is this, this is this, this is this. I didn't know what I was looking at. And I don't want our students and I don't want people to fall victim to those things because I don't necessarily think all of them are predatory. People make mistakes. Computers make mistakes. And you don't know what you don't know if you don't know what to look for. And that's what we're trying to help with with Life 101. That's what we are helping with with Life 101. It's such a good point, right? You're giving people the ammunition, not necessarily just to be able to figure out, is this the better bank account, but to figure out if they're getting ripped off, not now, but even as the world changes five years from now and 10 years from now, because they'll be able to do the research, they'll be able to gather the information. I want to ask you about the things in your class that you find blow their minds, right? Like, what are the things, because you've taught this class a number of times now, what are the things that are the biggest shockers to people that are the things that you expect they would know and they never know? And while you think about that for just a second, let me just remind everyone that this show is proudly sponsored by Edelman Financial Engines. When you're raising kids and caring for your older parents and planning for retirement, it's just a lot. It's a lot, especially when you are trying to grow your personal wealth at the same time. If you visit edelmanfinancialengines.com slash hermoney, you can schedule a free appointment with a financial advisor where you will learn strategic ways to help meet your financial obligations all at the same time that you can remain focused on your own needs and your own dreams. When you have a well-crafted financial plan, you are ready for all of life's competing priorities. Schedule your free appointment today at planefe.com slash hermoney. I am talking with Professor Cope, aka NFL linebacker Brandon Copeland. So what are those things that you think that are the like, oh my God, moments of your Life 101 class? Yeah, literally, Gene, it's the first class. You know, you try to have these moments throughout the class, but honestly, I'm not a, a person who I want to fight for your attention. So I got to create exercises to make sure that you understand why this class is of value to you. So the first class, we literally walk every student through a budget. We have a budget. Anybody can go access it at life101.io. It's a free budgeting tool. You can make your own and we don't see it. It's private to you, but it walks you through the different expenses and things you should think about or you should be calculating as you're calculating your monthly recurring expenses, right? So we walk our students through that. And I'll use this past year as an example. So, you know, January 2022, we have a young lady who is from D.C., Washington, D.C., and she's 
graduating and becoming a nurse. And so her, she's an example where she had an offer letter at that point. Like she knew what her potential salary would be. Some students don't. So they put in, you know, their, well, we make them look up their dream career or that career that they expect. We make them look up the average salary within that, right? Because that humbles a lot of people as well, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this young lady specifically, so she was going to move to D.C. By the time she goes through her entire budget, she was down negative $2,300, right? By the time we go through rent and all of these different things, we didn't, didn't even add in student loan debt at that point. Credit cards, monthly subscriptions, all that stuff. Just by her being from D.C. and literally in that class, she shared it with the entire group, which was awesome to me because it, it makes me feel good that, hey, this is worthwhile for them and worthwhile for me. She was like, you know, my mom has always mentioned that I could move in with her after college and I kind of wanted an apartment, you know, by me just moving in and removing that rent overhead costs. Now I'm up 14 grand on my first year out of college, right? And so just imagine if she doesn't take this course, she doesn't do that exercise, right? She finds this thing out the hard way because most people don't sit down and write these things out before signing that 12 month lease, right? And so I was also able to share with her, I'm sharing with you got my first three years in the NFL in the off season, I came back home and lived with my mom. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's no shame in it. It's cool, it's smart, right? And so. I think that that also made her feel comfortable and it was cool for the class because there's other moments like that throughout the course. But for a lot of the students on that first day, that's the shake you awake moment of like, OK, let me actually focus and pay attention in this course. This isn't like any other course. Me paying attention is directly correlated to my success. And so that's important. The other thing I'll say is we always do is our second course is typically taxes. Right. And, and nothing but net gross yeah. versus net. And um <laughs> You know, we have my accountant typically comes in as a guest speaker and, and answers questions and things like that. But he always shares that about 50 percent of paychecks are incorrect. And so I remember in our first semester, you know, I share with them that I've had two NFL teams. I found incorrect things on page stubs or paychecks with two NFL teams that I've had to go back and gotten corrected. And, you know, I actually made money for my other teammates as well, too, by actually looking at my pay stub, not assuming it's correct. But we had a young lady who looked at her pay stubs as well, too. And she saw that her internship, they had paid her incorrectly. And so she was due about fifteen hundred bucks over the summer. Right. And so she was able to go reach out to them. And of course, they said, well, it's been a little too long and all of those things. So not really sure how that ended up working out. But I bet you she's checking her pay stubs to this day, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. We have a course called Finance Fix where we help people with these same things, saving more, spending less, getting your budget in shape, paying off some debt. And it's always a huge aha because unless you're paying attention to where your money is going, I guarantee you, you have no idea where your money is going. It is just slipping through your fingers. But I heard that you save 90% of your income. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I never put that number out there. Really, is probably probably save more. But for me, I, I don't necessarily brag on that number because I know that there's a lot of people who like, oh, well, you make X, Y, Z, blah, 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 which, you know, neither here nor there. There's always going to be a hater in the room, Gene, as you know, right? Like not worried about that. But moral of the story is for me, what I try to encourage people is, is like, I'm very in tune to like what I enjoy and what I value and I only pay for that. And so I'm not necessarily trying to buy anything to make everyone think I'm cool. And so that naturally just gives me a, a cheaper, like these are Amazon bracelets, right? I'm in the NFL. This is my most expensive watch. This is an Apple watch, right? Like 
it is what it is, right? And so I'm fortunate that that's just my value system and it just happens to end up working out where it doesn't cost a lot. And most importantly for me personally, like I've always taken money and I want to put it to work for me. So if there's ever a time, like my sacrifice is in what can I do now to pay for an older version of myself? So I want to put it in this multifamily building or I want to put it in this commercial land or a venture capital investment or the stock market or whatever, may, or people, right? And so that's just how it's worked out for me. How did you get yourself to think that way? So I've taken enough behavioral finance to know that we have a very difficult time being generous with that future version of ourselves. The me right now doesn't know the me of 30 years from now. And so it's tough to get me to put money away for her, right? She's a stranger. How did you, how did you flip that switch? Yeah. One, I'm blessed with a very interesting perspective on life. So that's one, you know, I, I admit that too. Where'd that come from? God. I think God and then just my family. So I got the opportunity. My grandfather, he played in the NFL for 11 years. And he played in a time where you had to have a second job. Like he played with the Baltimore Colts, won a Super Bowl, lost to Joe Namath in Super Bowl three. His quarterback was Johnny Unitas, Hall of Fame quarterback. So imagine the Aaron Rodgers of their time, right? Imagine the Aaron Rodgers of that time working as a substitute teacher in the offseason. You know, like that's how their lifestyle was. And so... You know, seeing his career post-football, one of the things he always told me and pressed upon his grandson is like, you know, you guys are fortunate to be making what you're making to play this game. And so he wanted me and I kind of put it together myself as well, too, that, you know, we wanted to take this and use this as a trampoline for my future. And so whether it's football or whether it's investment bank, whether it was flipping houses, whatever it is for me. I understand that, like, I've seen my granddad, I've seen an older version of myself, right? I don't want to be trying to make ends meet when I'm older, right? Um, It's the Dave Ramsey quote, live like no one else now, so that later on in life you can live and give like no one else. And so for me, I truly, like, accept that. I truly live that. And I think also, you know, the the other thing is, you know, I'm, I'm a professional athlete. I am disciplined. I know myself. My grandfather always said this. He always told me, cope. I'll never lie to you because it'd be like lying to myself. And what good does that do anybody? Right. And so for me, I'll never lie to myself. When I need to cut weight, it's time to cut weight. When I need to go and and relax a little bit, it's time to go and relax. Right. But for the money, I understand that I always want my life to be like this. And for most of us, especially football players, it's a nice time in the NFL and then it's a complete drop off. And so I have always parked money away so that I can just like, I am just getting started with the fun that I can have in my life. So I think it's the perspective, it's the discipline nature, and ultimately it's just not lying to myself, right? One of my buddies mentioned years ago, you know, we did a podcast shoot together. And one of the things he said was, you know, a lot of people talk about dream chasing and grinding all day and 24 seven and no days off. And and that was literally the, the mindset I grew up with. And I still have right to a certain extent. But I he also said at some point, if you don't catch the dream, right, like I'm not working this hard to keep working this hard my entire life. And so for me, I am putting away money because I know that it's either I'll work for money my entire life or I'll find a way to put money to work for me so that I can live and just completely live and embrace life for what it should be. So you 
don't want to brag about the 90% of money you save, but a number that I think you should be bragging about is the amount of money that your charity is giving away. You run an organization, a nonprofit called Beyond the Basics. It's given more than $600,000 to families in 21 states to help them buy groceries, Thanksgiving dinners, Christmas presents. Tell me a little bit more about this organization and why you decided to focus on these causes. Yeah, so, you know, Beyond the Basis Inc. is my wife, Taylor, and I's baby. I mean, we are first child. We got two real children, but Beyond the Basics, you know, is, is our extended family. So we want to help young people realize their full potential. We want to help them maximize their full potential. I think that I am ambitious and I am willing to work hard. And like I said earlier, God gave me a unique perspective on the world. I got like an old man's perspective in, you know, my 31-year-old body. But I've had that perspective since I've been 18, 19, right? And so I think that besides those things, I've been blessed to have certain people in my life who've exposed me to different things. And now I can put that hard work and ambition to work for. So if my high school coach never worked at a hedge fund, I would have never had the opportunity to intern with him in the summers and see all these Bloomberg terminals and see, hey, you can sit behind a desk and make this type of money, but I'm trying to play on a football field. Whoa, hold on. Right. And so we want to take that and give young people those type of opportunities through our different events throughout the, the year. And so balancing the football schedule, balancing children and trying to run a, a nonprofit organization along with other businesses. One of the things that we've specialized in is one-off events. And so what we do is we go and find needs and just really cool opportunities to connect with different cities, different states, and also invite collaboration amongst NFL players, but also just amongst people. I think that's where we really won at, right? So as you mentioned, we've given away over 600 grand. We've affected over 3,000 people at this point, but we've done really cool things that I grew up proud of. We've gone to grocery stores in underserved communities and literally let them spend up to 25 grand at the register, right? Like just let people swipe. To me, those are bucket list things. Like, you know, Beyonce did that and so did we, right? Like, you know, I've always dreamed of, you know, I know Shaquille O'Neal, you know, I tell my wife this all the time, Shaq, he's been noted to every time he goes in the store and buys something for himself, he finds a kid and buys something for someone else. We do holiday shopping sprees with kids. We Last year, we gave away a couple hundred grand throughout the country to kids and families in regards to shopping sprees and different targets and Walmarts and different things throughout the country. So for me, those are the coolest things in the world. And I tell you, you know, honestly, you get hooked to those types of things personally. You know, I don't know about other people, but one of the first years we did the shopping spree, I was with the New York Jets. It had to be 2018, I want to say. And we took this group, the Covenant House. It's a national organization. And so we took some of those young people from Jersey City. And we also took some high school kids from Westside High School in Newark, New Jersey. Their principal has been noted to put a laundromat in the basement because some students weren't showing up because they couldn't afford to get their clothes washed and they were getting bullied. And we took some foster kids from the Bronx. We took them all to Target, gave them shopping sprees. But I remember, literally, I remember this one kid from the Covenant House getting a jacket and literally he says, man, like he's smiling with God. Ooh, you know, they're looking at each other and he's like, and I'm just overhearing this. And he's like, man, I don't have to be cold anymore. And I'm like, whoa, like, whoa, like this is way better usage for my money. I remember one kid, Elijah, 
I got the video of him. He's pulling his cart around. We gave him $200 shopping spree. And literally more than half of his cart, he's just going through all the gifts he's getting for other people. And I'm like, this kid is like 13, 14 years old. Like, this is one, this is a great, like, he spent the money better than I ever could, right? And it's going to mean a lot to him. And so while, you know, obviously you got to survive and we have to do what we need to do to keep advancing ourselves. And and I think that that's the mistake that some people make is like you give so much that you don't have the ability to to continue to grow what you're trying to do. Because if you keep growing, then you'll give more. Right. So I've tried to always keep that consciousness about myself. But ultimately, those are the moments that we live for. Like, I am extremely excited about that. And I'm trying to make sure I pour that into my children as they grow up. Yeah, they say givers are not born. They are definitely raised, and that's what Mm. you're doing with your kids. I could talk to you all day. I think you are hugely (laughs) inspiring. If there was one piece of career advice or life advice that you want our listeners to take away from you, what is it? Oh, all right. It's going to be a little mix of two things. One, believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Imposter syndrome is extremely real. Imposter syndrome is okay. Imposter syndrome means that you are doing something that is challenging and that is going to push you to grow, right? If everything was comfortable, then, you know, that's why there's this thing called growing pains as you grow up, right? Like growing is uncomfortable. And so for me, if I could have whispered in a younger version of myself's ear earlier, it would be continue to lean into these uncomfortable conversations and even awkward conversations at times in order to grow. But also, more importantly for me, it would have been believing myself early on. I think that there's been times in my life where I've asked for too much permission and looked for too much validation. And at a certain point, you have to stop looking for other people to sign off on your ideas and just realize that you might be one of the only people that see what you see and just go. And people will want to join the bandwagon later. All right. But believe in yourself and go. I love it. I love it. Brandon Copeland, Professor Cope. We go to life101.io for more information. Please do. Life101.io is where you can find anything you need from a financial education standpoint. And you can also get in contact with me and my team. And we look forward to hopefully helping people in the future. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Let me just take a second to remind everyone that Her Money is supported by BCU. BCU is one of the nation's fastest growing credit unions. BCU helps members make smart financial decisions by offering the product, services, and caring support they need for whatever stage of life they're in. And you can find out if you're eligible to join BCU by visiting bcu.org. Catherine Tuggle joins me now for our mailbag. Hey, Catherine. Hey, Jean. I always love hearing from people in sports who are successful in other arenas. It makes me so happy to see, like, the multi-talented people in the world. And Brandon is definitely one of them. Absolutely. But did you see the wheels spinning in my head? So I've, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've often thought, so we live in Philadelphia now. We've been here about a year. And Penn is as I said, is my alma mater. And I've thought, I mean, I do expect that at some point in my life, I'll teach. My parents were both teachers. My father was a rock star professor. I will do this at some point. And the question in my mind has always been, do I teach 
a journalism class or do I teach personal finance? And lately, it's really been more, they've got plenty of journalism teachers, but I've been thinking if I'm teaching, I'm going to teach personal finance, but clearly I would have a lot of competition. And I don't know that, you know, if given the choice to sign up for my class or his class, I think I would lose. I think you two have got to get in cahoots and I think you've got to (laughs) teach personal finance journalism classes because there, frankly, there aren't enough of us. Well, that's true. That is definitely true. We could teach personal finance journalism. I don't know. I think one day, one day when I am in the same city for a whole semester at a time, I will teach class. Right now I'm traveling too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, thinking about Brandon, anybody like him who can bring the same amount of passion to the field, to a side hustle, and to the classroom, those people are just incredible. I am in awe. And I know you could do it if you wanted to. We shall see. I have enough jobs right now, but yes. but maybe in the future. Let's answer some questions. As a person with access to your calendar, I can say that you indeed have enough jobs. <laughs> our question today comes to us from a member of our private Her Money Facebook group. She writes, Hi, Jean and Catherine. I'm writing with an industry and world question. Specifically, I'm curious what you think about the job market to come in the next two to five years or so. With increased talk of a recession, I worry that layoffs are in my future. I don't expect your prediction on layoffs since I know they vary greatly by industry, but I am curious what the Harmony team thinks that a bad economy might mean for the salary growth that many of us have experienced since COVID. I was able to secure a $70,000 raise by changing jobs. Yes, 70000 And I have many female friends who got raises of at least 30000 The time after the pandemic seemed to be a huge win for women's salaries. But my concern now is that when companies seek to tighten their belts, we're going to lose some or all of these salary gains. Do you think that companies will conveniently use tough economic times as a reason to erase women's salary gains in corporate America? Is there any way that we can fight back and ensure our salaries stay high? Especially now that inflation has crept up, we are going to need to hang on to that money. I'm grateful for your time and your informative show. I think that this is such an insightful perspective, but I just want to give a little bit of not that I'm teaching, but a history lesson. So before the pandemic and before the last couple of years, wages in this country had been stagnant for a decade and a half. We didn't have inflation, which was a really good thing. Inflation has been low, again, in the two, two and a half percent range for a decade and a half, if not longer. But Wage growth was similar. It was very, very unusual to get more than a cost of living raise at a lot of companies across the country. And that cost of living raise was likely to equal inflation. So you're talking two to three percent. At the same time, we were treated to interest rates that were the lowest that we'd seen in generations. We were able to buy houses with mortgages and in the 2% range, housing prices had stagnated too for a while. All of which I'm saying as a precursor to my answer, which is I think there was a lot of built up 
wage increasing that just needed to happen. If you look at the housing market, the housing market popped by 40%. Nobody's expecting those home prices to go back down by 40%. Some people are saying that in the markets where they got really, really frothy, maybe they'll come down a little bit. But I think that these salary gains are very much the same. I don't believe that you're going to be asked to give back salary. I think companies will, some of them, have layoffs. We're starting to see that already. They will reduce their workforces as a way to trim their payroll. But those people who are in jobs should not have to worry that they're going to have to all of a sudden live on less in these inflationary times. In fact, I think that by keeping up your skill set, keeping up your networks, and being willing to change jobs again in the future, you'll be able to grow your salary. Recessions come and recessions go. We have had many, many recessions since the Great Depression. Only one of them was the Great Recession. Usually a recession lasts about eight months. That's it. About eight months where growth stagnates or retrenches just a little bit. And the people who are looking at this coming recession, the economists, and I've been reading a lot of them because they are aligned that we are headed for one, particularly if the Federal Reserve does not take its foot off the gas. This is an instance where focusing on your personal economy rather than the economy overall is how you're going to win. And it's how your girlfriends are going to win by focusing on your skills, the things that you bring to the party, the reason that this employer gave you that $70,000 over the salary that you were earning in your previous job is exactly what's going to get you that next $70,000 raise. So I wouldn't worry. I would make the most of this raise. I hope that you are taking a big chunk of that additional money and not living on it, but socking it away into your 401k, into your health savings account, into whatever other accounts that you've put together for the goals that you want to achieve down the road. But I, I think that you are in a good position. And I think we fight back by continuing to employ the lessons that we learned during this pandemic boomlet, which is if we are not feeling well paid, we take ourselves and our skill set across the street and we ask for what we deserve. Anything to add there, Catherine? Yeah, I'm really encouraged by what you said. Honestly, I didn't know how you were going to respond to this one because I feel like women went through so much during the pandemic. I mean, I do think we have to acknowledge the women who were forced out of the workforce because of the pandemic. If you had to take a step back from the workforce because you had responsibilities at home, if you had an older parent to care for, if you had a child to care for, if you were unable to do your job remotely and it was not tenable to make it work, we know that stepping out of the workforce 
often does mean that you take a step back salary-wise when you try to re-enter. And the best thing that you can do is to minimize the gap in time from your exit to your re-entry. So I think that that is a consideration, but that's not who wrote the letter, right? I think the woman who wrote the letter definitely has momentum on her side. Yeah, I agree. And I love what you said about the housing market, how housing prices went way up and they're never going to come back down to where they were. So that makes me happy. I don't think they're coming back down to where they were. Absolutely. And as makes a homeowner- Makes me happy from a salary yes. perspective, not a, <laughs> not a home buyer perspective. No, but as a homeowner, it should make you happy as well. Yes. 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 Thank you, Jean. Thank you. Before we get to today's Thrive, I just want to take a sec to remind you that Her Money is sponsored by Healthy Paws Pet Insurance and Foundation. My dog, Norman, is insured by Healthy Paws. Why? Because when a friend's puppy ate a whole pack of gum and got xylitol poisoning, don't ask, Healthy Paws came to the rescue. You can use any licensed vet with no maximum annual or lifetime payout, and most claims are processed in just a couple of days. And right now, Healthy Paws is running a special program to help shelter and rescue pets called Every Quote Gives Hope. Until the end of 2022, the foundation is increasing the amount donated for its Every Quote Gives Hope program to $1 for each person who requests a free pet insurance quote on its website. That means your free quote will also help pets in need. So visit HealthyPawsPetInsurance.com slash hermoney to get your instant quote today. And speaking of pets, in today's Thrive, we dig into everything you need to know before getting your first pet. Deciding to welcome a new dog or cat to the family is easy, but in order for your pet to thrive, you need to do more than just buy a bag of food and an adorable sweater. You've got to take a hard look at your finances. Why? Because a pet is a decade-long commitment, hopefully more, and you want to be prepared. At HerMoney.com, we talked to leading experts and compiled the ultimate financial checklist for first-time pet parents. First, you'll want to consider monthly and yearly costs. On average, you can expect to pay $1,700 for a dog and $1,100 for a cat each year. That's a monthly cost of $90 to $140. You'll also have to remember that if you're getting a puppy or a kitten, Costs are higher for the first year of life because of vaccinations, parasite screenings, microchipping, and spaying or neutering. You should expect to pay between $500 and $2,000 on healthcare that first year, depending on your zip code. Next, budget for all the things your pet will need at home, like food, a bed, leashes, collars, bowls, and toys. Norman, by the way, leaves his toys all over the house. We're discussing it with him. You can estimate $200 upfront for these costs, but remember, many of them will become recurring expenses. After that, think about training, daycare. Dog training classes can run a few hundred dollars, if not more, and if you're out of the house for most of the day, you might need a dog walker, which can cost $15 to $25 a pop, or you can put your dog in daycare, which is even more expensive. Finally, consider getting pet insurance. There are many unanticipated health conditions and emergencies that can occur over the course of your pet's life. 
That's why companies like Healthy Paws can make an enormous difference when it comes to comfortably affording surgery or hospital stays. With pet insurance, you can be sure that you can offer the best care for your pet. For the full checklist, go to hermoney.com slash pets. And once again, you can go to healthypawspetinsurance.com slash hermoney to get the free quote and give back to pets in need. Thanks for joining me today on Her Money. Thank you to Brandon Copeland for sharing his story and showing us how we can all pursue our passions, whether it's through our day job or through a side hustle or three. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We love hearing what you think. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Edelman Financial Engines and BCU. We produce this podcast out of CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Video Helper, and our show comes to you through Megaphone. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk soon.